Well, warm welcome to you. Welcome to the vineyard. Hope you're having a good weekend. I want to start with a story. It's an older story in the vineyard, but it's a good one. It comes from one of our conferences that we had years ago. And in the vineyard, we always encourage people to step out in faith. If you feel like God's leading you to say something to someone who feel like during, you know, if we have a ministry team and we train our prayers up to try and listen to the Holy Spirit and how they're going to pray and how they're going to speak to people. And so we always say to them, even if something feels a bit weird, offer it and offer it for testing, but just, just go with it because you never know how God is speaking. You know, God speaks in many ways. Today we're going to talk about words and pictures and even dreams a little bit. And, but he, he speaks in a, a multitude of ways. And so this story from one of our conferences years ago is one of those things. They were having the conference. They had the prayer team up. And I think it was John Wimber was still alive at that point. He was leading the, the ministry time. And he said, does anybody on the ministry team feel they have a word for healing or something like this? And one of the girls on the, on the team felt that God was leading her to say that somebody had a cold sore, I think, on the top right of their lip, and that God wanted to heal the cold sore. She's like, that's a bit lame, right? Because there's like 4,000 people in the room. And so if you ever feel like you're being, if you're on a ministry team and you feel led to pray for cold sores, like in a room of 4,000 people, there's going to be at least 160 of them, right? Right, so the, the words are going to be accurate, okay? So it's not going to be that kind of thing. Anyway, so she felt a bit dumb, but she felt led to go and share it anyway. So up in front of all these people, she goes, uh, I just feel like God's saying there's somebody here with a cold sore. You'd like prayer for that. If that's you, uh, please let me know. And John Wimber said, is anybody in the room like that? In the whole room, nobody responded except for one woman. One woman, I think, was down on the left, put her hand up, said, yeah, that's me. I'd like to receive prayer. Then the meeting carried on quite things. So the girl went down, and the story goes like this. As she got down and started speaking to the woman to pray for her, she said, you know, it's really funny that you shared that word today. And she's like, well, why? She goes, well, this morning I was deciding that I was going to kill myself today. I decided I don't want to live anymore, and, and it's over. And I said to God, if you're real and you're going to help me, I need somebody at this meeting to stand up there and say that you want to heal my cold sore. And, uh, and, and he did. And somebody's life was saved through a silly little word that really in that moment, because if you've ever stepped down in faith to pray for somebody, if you felt like you've had a word of knowledge, most of the time you're thinking to yourself, I'm pretty sure this is last night's pizza or taco or whatever it is you had. And so this girl had that and she stepped down in faith. And because she stepped down in faith, somebody did not go and kill themselves. I don't even know if the cold sore got healed, right? But I know that somebody lived. And so when God gives us words and pictures, we may feel like they're inconsequential, we may feel like they're weird, but more often than not, they're actually way more significant than we think they are. And God in His wisdom, in His sense of humor, I believe, often gives us words, often gives us messages for other people, and He never ever lets us know the significance of them. He just lets us die in the embarrassment of going out and sharing them. I think He likes to stretch us, but we don't like to be stretched. But today, this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about words, pictures, the way God uses us uh, to speak to other people and how significant those can be at times. Before I get into my reading, let's uh, just say a short prayer together. Lord, thank you so much that you speak to people, that you break in, that, uh, that you hear people's prayers. 
And so this morning as we explore this subject and uh, try to figure this, this weird way that you speak to us out, would you just give us receptive hearts to yourself? Would you help us to hear you? Would you help us to be bold, to step out and be used by you? I pray for my words as well this morning that they'd be from you and anything not of you would be forgotten. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to do a couple of maybe three short readings today. Uh, One from uh, John and then two from Acts. And it's also going to be on the screen behind us. So John chapter 4 is the first one starting at verse 15. And so many of you will know, if you, if you read your Bible much, um, the story of the woman at the well. And so this is where we're picking up. We're halfway through that story. Jesus has been traveling with his disciples. They're in Samaria, and they stop at this well. And, and the disciples go into a local town to get some food. And Jesus has this conversation with this woman who comes out at the middle of the day to gather water, which is, you don't do that in those days. She was coming out at the middle of the day so that she wouldn't meet anybody at the well because she was a woman living in shame. Those are the people who went to the well in the middle of the day. And she encounters Jesus sitting there, and they have this conversation about uh, living water and all this kind of stuff. And as we get into it, this is where the story picks up. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water, the living water that Jesus was talking about in the conversation, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Now, this is a fascinating little thing for all you Christians in the room. Right? Often, Christians, when they feel like they have knowledge or they have the one-upmanship or the moral high ground on something, will come in hot and heavy, okay? And Jesus doesn't do this, right? So she, he, he, he's already known, the Father's already revealed to him that this woman has had a number of husbands and, and kind of is just living with a guy right now. But he doesn't come in with the big judgment word of knowledge, does he? He does something completely sneaky, and this is why I like Jesus, right? Well, more than that, he saved me, but I like him for this too. And so Jesus comes in, the woman says, I have no husband, and he doesn't go, ah, gotcha. He goes, you're right, you don't. That is completely true. Well done for being honest. That's pretty much what he's saying, right? Well done. And he, he says it to her, to her twice. It's quite true. And then he kind of just reveals to her what he knows about. And she doesn't get caught out by it. This woman's pretty smooth, by the way. She turns around and she realizes, oh no, this guy's a prophet. He's got dirt on me. I don't know what to do. I'm going to make it a theological argument. So she goes back to the whole Samaritan Jew disagreement. They always disagreed about where you were supposed to worship God. But, you know, he he comes back around and and he, he wins her over in the rest of the conversation. But the point that we're using this text for today is the fact that he's in that moment, he has this word of knowledge for her. The Holy Spirit reveals to him, this woman has had five husbands, she's lost, she's broken, and I want you to speak into her life. And he does exactly that. He wins her over, she goes back, brings out the whole village. The whole village puts their faith 
in Jesus. A remarkable, remarkable story. And the key to it was this knowledge that Jesus had. Because she goes back to the village, she says, come and meet this guy who's told me everything I've ever done. Now, did he tell her everything he'd done? No, he didn't. But that one little simple word unlocked everything in her. Amazing, amazing thing. Let's jump over to Acts chapter 2 from verse 14. And it says this. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, said, Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And the prophet Joel said this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And so Peter's, this is a, a Pentecost when the spirit falls on all the believers, and Peter is just introducing a new paradigm to everybody here. That thing that Jesus was doing at the well with the woman, that gifting is being poured out on the church. And so when, when, when Pentecost happens, Peter goes to this passage and says, this is what's happening. That, that moment we've all been waiting for, that new covenant moment where we're crying out for God to pour His Spirit out on, on all people, this is it right now. This is what's happening. A really great moment. Let's jump over to Acts chapter 10 for another example. And so this is part of that whole story. If you know Acts, you know, when the first pagans, the first, you know, Gentiles and non-Jew people come into the church. This is this big cataclysmic moment. Up until now, the apostles have been going out, doing their miracles, preaching the gospel to Jews pretty much exclusively. Peter is in this place, and um, this is what happens. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. I like the way the Bible says, I think he fell into a trance where he had a nap. Probably the same thing, right? Fell asleep on the roof, right? So it's a great prayer meeting. Anyway, so while he's in his trance or in his nap, he, this happens. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds, basically unclean animals that Jews weren't supposed to eat. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter freaks out, as any good Jewish boy would. He says, Lord, I will not do that. That is like bang out of order. And it happens three times. And towards the end, Peter, being the dull guy he is, he realized everything in his life happened in threes. So after the third time, the, the sheet goes away and that's it done. So he's sitting there on the roof and he's scratching his head. He's like, I wonder what that's about because every time something happen, th happens three times in my life, pretty sure God's trying to get my attention. So, you know, he's, uh, he's growing. And so at that moment, the Spirit says to him, somebody is coming to the house. Go with them. This is when these uh, Gentiles show up and says, oh, the centurion sent us for you, which is normally a freaky Jason moment for a Jewish guy back in the day. But Peter goes with him to Cornelius' house. He says, why have you brought me here? An angel told me to send for you. He preaches the gospel. Doesn't even get to the altar call, y'all. Right? As he's preaching, they ruin his message. 
right? The Lord ruins his message by pouring his spirit on the ho- everybody present. They get filled with the spirit. They're prophesying, speaking in tongues, the whole shebang. Peter's like, I don't know what to do with it. Say so he baptizes them all. And then all the Jewish people, believers in Jerusalem go mental because he's just gone and baptized a bunch of Gentiles into the church. He doesn't know what to do about it. Amazing moment. All because a picture was given to him. And in that picture, he realizes that God is doing something new, that the cross represents something different. Jesus' resurrection includes the life of the Gentiles. And everything that was unclean before and to be kept separate from the Jewish people has all of a sudden changed. The rules have changed. And this is why you and I are here today. Amazing, amazing moment. Words, pictures, and dreams, God gives them for a number of reasons. Why does he give them? Well, he gives them to move us, to move us from one place to another, to shake us out of our complacency. So uh, look at my own personal story, Rachel's personal story. There we are. We're on staff at the Glasgow Vineyard in Scotland. Uh, We'd always wanted to kind of leave Scotland and go and and do ministry somewhere else. We can never understand that because Scotland's a beautiful place. But we were like fed up living there. We were like, God, we want to go out. But the Lord never opened the door. So we're like, okay, well, we got on staff at the Vineyard Church. We're going to love that church, great church. Going to visit them in December. Looking forward to that, seeing how they're doing. Um, And so we got into this point. We said, okay, we're here for the next 10 years. We are settling in. I'm going to serve under the senior pastor for years because I love what I do. So we went to South Africa, went on vacation, spent loads of money, came back. And in that next year, we started to feel unsettled. The church started to go in new directions. Uh, all the things I'd brought on, been on, brought on staff to do had been done. Everything was working. And so I was like starting to feel a little unsettled, uh, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm just having an attitude problem. I need to sort that out. But God just kept, kept agitating us, started making us feel like we were no longer part of the thing. It was a real weird experience. And then one day we went to one of these weird meetings that some of our you know, charismatic friends in town were doing. They, had these, they would run these meetings for like people who were really spiritual but not Christians, like people who were into New Age and weird and wonderful stuff. So they'd do things like psalm readings. And they would do things like prophetic prayer and all that kind of stuff. For like non-Christians, come in, let us read psalms over you, let us pray for you and give you words of knowledge and stuff, see what happens. It was a form of evangelism, but really different and a weird type of idea. And people would go and get saved at them because they'd have, you know, woman at the well type of experiences. So, you know, a bunch of us Christians would go along too and say, oh, let's check this thing out. So I went along to one of these things and let this guy pray for me. So while, I'm pr- while he's praying for me, he turns around and says, I can see that you've been a Jonathan for a long time. You've been serving somebody else's leadership. But the Lord's saying the time has come for you to be a David. And I was like, dude, that is not a word from the Lord. That is like, that is undermining authority. I'm chucking that one out. Or I put it on the shelf. I said, but I'm backing off of that. I'm not getting excited about that. So I minded my own business, carried on doing the best I could do my job. About six months later, a friend of ours comes around for dinner. Uh, a, a young girl, she's a, she's a missionary now, and really just sensitive to the Lord, really trusted her, uh, just from, you know, we were friends with her family, just good, good people, good follower of Jesus, right? And so we're praying for each other after dinner, and as she's praying, she looks at me and says, Billy, I just feel like God's saying, you've been a Jonathan for a period of time, and the time is for you to become a, step out and become a David. I was like, dude, that is weird, that is weird. 
right? So I was like, okay, maybe there's something about this. But no, put that on the shelf, be calm. Everybody stopped panicking. Went back to work, Karen. And it's just as we, in this moment, me and Rachel are like, oh, you think God's calling us to move on to somewhere else? You know, our kids were young. We're like, I don't know, oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And so a few months go by, and then one day I'm in the office. I'm, 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 I'm wrestling with all this stuff. Lord, what are you saying? Are you telling me to move on to something else? What's going on? And as I'm sitting there, my senior pastor comes in. He sits down and says, Billy, I've been praying for you. I was like, oh, great. What's going to happen now? Right? Because, yeah. And he says, I've been praying. I keep getting the same vision over and over again. I keep getting this picture for you. I was like, okay, well, tell me what it is. He says, I don't know if it's like a spiritual growth thing. I don't know what it means, but I'm just going to give it to you. I was like, sure, Jamie, give it to me. He says, you're on a journey. And as you're on this journey, you've got this path, and you come straight to this cliff edge. And the path just stops at this cliff edge. And you're standing at the cliff edge, and you're looking down. You're looking for a path down so that you can continue the journey. But you can't see another way down. And as I'm looking at this, I, I can hear what the Lord's saying to you. And the Lord's saying this to you, jump, and I'll catch you. And I was like, oh, man. I knew exactly what it meant. In that moment, I knew exactly what it meant. He says, your time is up. It's time for you to go. And he goes, do you know what that means? I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Um, I'll just, you know, uh, I'll pray about it. And then I went and I spoke to some other people. I knew a guy who'd done exactly that. He'd been on staff and he just quit out of the blue. He said, God's told me to quit. I don't know what to do. And he quit. And then for six months, he hung around until the Lord called him to pastor another vineyard church somewhere else. So I went and spoke to him and said, hey, his name's Nigel Hemming. If you're into Vineyard Kids Worship, you might know who he is. He pioneers a lot of kids' worship. I went up to him and said, hey, Nigel, I've gone through this experience. What do you think? And Nigel's like, why are you talking to me? You know exactly what you have to do. And thus began the journey that brought us here. right? And so sometimes that's what happens. Words and pictures come into your life because God has had enough of you and he wants to move you to somewhere else right? or something along those ones. But, you know, they can be scary, but sometimes you get lots of them, and they test you and they move on. And so when we came here, we had other words from other people who told us stuff. So I remember before we got on the plane, we came over. My friend Des, who spoke here a little while back, shared his testimony. He came up to me one day, and he know, didn't know much about anything about the States. He only knows about, like, L.A., because he'd been to L.A. before. And he said, I keep getting this picture about you before you head out to this interview process. He says, I keep seeing this... Every time I pray, I see these red buildings with white roofs. I have no idea what that means. I was like, red buildings with white roofs? What the heck is that? That's a weird picture. So we get off the plane, and we're driving around the South Carolina countryside. And what do you see all over the South Carolina countryside? Red barns with white roofs. Right? I was like, oh, how about that? That's a weird one. Put that on the shelf too, you know? So lots of little things like this really helped confirm to us that this was a good idea coming over here. And, you know, when we went through difficult moments, we were like, remember those words, God has called us. And so, you know, that's, that's, that's what it was for. And so God gives us words. Why? To help give us direction, to help move us into new places, to help shake us out of our mediocrity. And so often he will give someone else a word and that comes into our lives and just, and just, just brings a, a new, new way of thinking in a moment when we've been stuck and we're not sure how to move forward. And that's exactly what those Jonathan words did for us and what Jamie's picture did for us. You know, words, pictures, and dreams also help to break down barriers that people have between them and God. 
You know, the fact of the matter is, often in our, in our walk of faith with the Lord, we get disillusioned, don't we? I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of you in this room that have gone through, you've gone through experiences in your life where you've gotten disillusioned with God. You're like, I believe that God was my provider, and I've gone through this experience. Now I'm not so sure. I believe that God was my helper, but I've gone through some pain and heartache. Now I'm not so sure. I believe that God was my healer, but yeah, I've seen other people get healed, but I've gone through a period of time in sickness. Now I'm not so sure. And we get disillusioned in our walk with the Lord. Life circumstances, the not yet of the kingdom that we know exists. We know that Jesus only brought the kingdom in part, but you know, we live in the hope that we get the already and we can just encourage other people to get the not yet. But when the not yet comes to us, it's discouraging. And we get disillusioned. And often what will happen is God will bring words to us, dreams to us, pictures to us to help break down those walls that we build up. Because we build up walls of trust against the Lord. Hey, Lord, and what does that look like? You know, it looks like this. It's a kind of a, Lord, I will obey you thus far and no more. Because I've just been through much. I'm drawing the line here, Lord. I'm, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey the Ten Commandments. But this, this side of the wall, I, I just can't deal with that. And a lot of Christians are living their Christian life that way. You know, thus far and no more, Lord. And often the Lord lets us live that. But there comes a time when God's like, time for me to break the wall down. And somebody gives you a word. Somebody gives you a picture. Somebody, somebody has a dream for you. And it seems random to them, but when they share it to you, it knocks a brick off that wall. You begin to realize, wow, God knew I was struggling in that moment, but even though he didn't do what I wanted him to do, the fact that I've received this picture and word is reminding me that he was there with me. Even though he let me go through that thing, I don't understand that, but he was there with me, and he still wants to walk with me now. God uses dreams, pictures, words to break down the walls that we build up between us and them. Why else does he give words, pictures, and dreams? Well, like our story was today, is sometimes he gives them to us to physically save our lives. Sometimes as well, he gives them to us to save us spiritually. You know, we regularly hear of stories about somebody sharing a word of encouragement to an unbeliever or a picture or a dream to an unbeliever. And that is the one thing that they needed, the, the straw that you know, breaks the camel's back, but the straw that caused, okay, today I'm deciding to follow Jesus. It happens all the time. You know, or sometimes he gives dreams. You know, we hear about this from, the, from gospel, uh, countries that are close to the gospel where, you know, like Muslims especially, they wake up one day, they have this dream where Jesus appears to them and says, follow me. Proper Bible moment. And, you know, a missionary shows up in this village and they say, okay, there's a follower of Jesus. Yeah, oh, really, where is he? Who told, you about, who told you about Jesus? Nobody. I had a dream. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Love it. You know, gives words, pictures, and dreams to, to save people physically and spiritually. So why do words, pictures, and dreams have such power in people's lives? These random little, oh, somebody has got a cold. So how does that have such a powerful impact? Well, the reason is because is God knows you and I better than we know ourselves, doesn't he? 
So we're plodding along in our lives. We have this experience, and God knows, hey, if I give that person a picture of this or that person a word of encouragement or if I give this person a dream for, for this one, it's going to totally unlock their lives into new levels of intimacy with me. And he knows us. He knows us so well. And that's the, that's the main reason why these things work. And they're encouraging too because they remind us that he knows us so well. Isn't that amazing? He, he knows us so well. Why else does he give them? Well, he gives them to people so that those people who receive them know that they are included in his work of restoration and salvation in others because he talks to us through them and he talks to other people through us. He wants to invite us into what he is doing. And you know, over the past few weeks, you can catch up on these uh, online. We've been speaking about that very subject and so we don't really need to dig into the fact that God wants to use you today. But just know that he is. God is working to heal and restore this world to himself. But he doesn't like working on his own or in a small team. God's kind of like a, hey, let's, let's, let's play soccer together, but let's have 100,000 people on the team type of guy. You know? Remember when you played that game in school, let's play this game, then there's always that dude. Hey, let's let everybody play. Oh, jeez, this is going to be chaos. When no one, nothing is going to happen. Nothing is going to get done if we let everybody play. God's like, I'm that guy. Let's, like, let's include everybody in this thing. And this is what God does with the church. Hey, I can save everybody my, by myself if I want, but you know what? I'm going to use you. Like, are you sure? Have you seen me try to make a cake? I'm pretty incompetent. You, wanna, you want me to save other people, Lord? Yes, I do. You're my guy. You're my gal. Let's do this thing. He just wants everybody to play. And, of course, he gives words and pictures because, because he, wants, he cares about us, and he wants to show us that he cares about who we are, where we are, what we're doing. So when does the Lord give us these words? When does he use us? Well, he, uses, he gives them at the right time, and he gives them any time. God is always at work. And he gives them when we choose to listen. If you want God to use you by giving you pictures, words, or dreams for others, you have to to be willing to listen. You have to be available. You know, in, in Christian circles, we, we have this saying, especially in vineyard circles, you know, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And that means you just have to say yes. If you say yes to God, he'll give you what you need to get the job done. That's why you see so many people doing amazing ministry and you think, Wow, you know, that person wouldn't get a job at Starbucks. And look what they're doing for Jesus. And God's up there in heaven and goes, I know, I know. You all thought they were useless, but they said yes to me. And look how useful I've made them. That's the way God works. That's the economy he operates in. And so you want God to use you to speak to others? All you have to say is, Lord, use me. I'll be available. Use me. You know, which is countercultural, isn't it? I mean, even what I'm doing right now, I work really hard to try and be a better communicator because I want to be competent. And every job that all you guys are doing, you work really hard to be competent. We're obsessed with competence, about being good at what we do. Why? Because when you're competent, you become more efficient and you do a better job. Along comes God. Yeah, that's kind of true. But you know what? You can be super incompetent, but if you say yes to me, I'll, 
I'll make you really effective. And other people will look going, what? What is that about? He says, if you read my book, it says, I will take the foolish things of this world and confound the wise. That's how he operates. I've had people come to this church who've been quite odd. <laughs> when you got to know me, I'd be like, okay, the type of people that you all introduce to me, because you have no idea how to deal with that person, oh, this is our pastor. <laughs> and then I watch you do the quick march out that door over there, and I'm like, thank you. And uh, I had one such person in my life, and even God used that person. I remember... Um, they called up one day, long after they left this church, said, I felt like God told me I need to buy you a kettle, so I'm sending you a kettle. I was like, that's amazing, because our kettle broke the day before. I was like, and we were a little bit broke. It's like, how long do we wait to buy a kettle? Because we want to buy a good one. And they bought us a kettle, and they bought us the one we wanted. And it showed up in the mail the next day. I was like, Interesting. Thank you very much. It's a good kettle. I enjoyed it. God can use anybody. All you have to say is, yes, I am available. So how does he do these things? Well, you know, God's got different languages, isn't he? He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through circumstances. And then the thing we're focusing on today is through pictures, words, and dreams. But, you know, you might not experience God in those ways. So don't be discouraged about that. The reason why I want to say don't be discouraged is because I think God often speaks to us and uses us to speak to other people through, through using our senses and through using the, the personalities that we have. You know, God's made you in a particular way, and He caters to that when He wants to speak to other people through you. So although I'm speaking about pictures and dreams, I'm not that type of guy. I don't get pictures and dreams. I get like impressions, but often my impressions are very just kind of logically mathematical in their nature. I, I don't know how else to describe that. But, you know, if I pray for somebody, that tends to be how God speaks to me. I'll, I'll feel like I just have something that I need to tell them. I, I feel like I have some sort of um, wisdom to share on the, on the situation. And that tends to be how God speaks to me in, in any revelatory way. I have to add, I just like, as I'm praying, I pray into a situation, I, I feel how I led prayer, and then people say to me, how did you know to pray that way? I was like, I just, that's how I felt led. That's, and it really spoke to them. You know, so you might be quite an imaginative person, you know, quite visual and, and all that kind of stuff. So you find, you may find you get pictures quite often. They come easy to you. God speaks to you quite easily that way. Or you might be like me, you're just kind of much more of a, a linear thinker, you know, you, you like lists, they work well for you, and you find that you might not get dreams and pictures, but as you're speaking to somebody, you just feel certain words pop into your mind that are just relevant to that moment. You say, and you, when you speak them out to people, they, they, they break in and they make a difference. Or you might be a very, you know, you may have lots of empathy about you, and, and you just... You connect well with the feelings of others, and you find that often in a circumstance, you will look at somebody across a room, and all of a sudden, you know in your know exactly how that person is feeling. You just look at someone and say, that person's mourning the loss of something. I can just sense it, you know? And you think that's normal just because you're a feeler. Well, actually, no, it's not normal, by the way. 
Because there's lots of people out there who have no idea what that person's feeling at all. And so you walk up that person, sorry to bother you, but I just feel like you've, you've got some mourning in your life. Is that true? Yes, how did you know? That's your green light. Well, you know, sometimes Jesus reveals things to me. Can I pray for you right now? Bish, bash, bosh, you're in. It's, that's, that's spiritual, by the way, bish, bash, bosh. So you can, you can use that. Uh, however it is, you know, you know God, God knows how you're wired and he wants to use that. And so he will often bring words, pictures, dreams to you in line with your personality and in line of the way you've been made up. So don't, don't be discouraged if you don't hear God the way other people hear God. Know, know yourself and let God work through you that way. Dig into that. But, you know, don't, don't put yourself in a box. You know, don't limit yourself. Don't limit yourself to your personality or your Enneagram number if you're into that. I haven't done it yet. I'm an 11. Uh, for those of you who know, there is no 11. And um, so don't limit yourself because God can still give you pictures and dreams and, you know, feelings even if you're not that type of person. So just be willing for him to do anything because he likes to stretch us. You, you may get a dream or a picture out of the blue. Another one from my story is a young guy who still goes to the, he's not so young now, he's in his 30s, but a guy called Mikey goes to the Glasgow Vineyard. And um, God never really spoke to him in this way. But one day, as I was, I was, it was one of the last sermons I preached at that church, I was walking down to the front, and as Mikey was looking at me, he just felt God speak almost audibly, go to him and tell him not to look back. Because, I mean, I was in that moment of, oh, man, I'm taking my family across the world. Is this a good idea? Like, I have no family there. And so Mikey came up to me and said, I just feel like God gave me a word. And he said to me, God said, don't look back. I'm just thinking about that pillar of salt thing, salt, salt, you know, Lot's wife and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that word has carried me at times, you know, you know, especially in the first two to three years when there were moments I'm like, man, this would have been a lot easier if we just talked ourselves into the Middlesbrough gig in England, you know. Then my kids have, have English accents. I don't know if I could cope with that. John's not here today. It's fine. Um, and so... It, that's not how God often spoke to him. But in that moment, bang, God got my attention because I knew that God didn't really speak to him that way that often. And so that was an eerie moment. So be willing to be used in any way. God is bigger than your personality and he's bigger than your limitations. Far too often, followers of Jesus just don't see the blessing of God in their lives because we place our limitations on the Lord. You know, there are churches that do that up and down the south who are, who are scared to let God use them, who are scared to let God speak to them and scared to encourage their people to do ministry and let their people listen to God for themselves because they, they put limitations on God. Like, oh, you know, we want to, we, you know, God only speaks in this way. I was like, don't do that to the Lord. God doesn't like boxes. The key is to be available and willing. That's all you need. Be available and willing to step out in obedience and, and, and do what God asks you to do. 
when you feel him tugging at you and you're not quite sure, do it anyway. You know, the messenger isn't responsible for testing the word. Let's get all Pentecostal here. The messenger is only responsible for giving the word. The receiver of the word is responsible for testing the word. You know, there's charismatic churches up and down the land who've blown out because some prophetic person left because they were angry because the pastor wouldn't do what he was told to when they received a word, right? But it's not up to the prophet to make sure the word is obeyed. The prophet just has to give the word. The receiver of the word is responsible for the word. You know, so if you feel like God's leading you to do something, and even if you think it was last night's pizza, go share that thing anyway, because it might be the cold sore story, or it might be the pizza from last night. It's not your problem to test that. Just you go up and share the word. Now, if someone shares a word with you, you know, don't be letting them say, thus saith the Lord to you. No, it's up to you to test it. That's why in the vineyard, when we train you all to listen to the Lord, we say, hey, no, thus saith the Lord's in the vineyard. Just say, I feel like God's saying, and then you give it to them, because that person has to test what you say, because you might be wrong. And so if you say, thus saith the Lord to some poor new Christian, they're going to go and do what you said without testing it, because they're going to feel guilty if they test it, because thus saith the Lord. Now they're in a box, and they, they've backed up into a corner. So we, so, so we do that. So testing is important. How do you test? Well, you look and you go, does that feel like God? Is that the type of thing God would want me to do? You know, does it resonate with what's been going on in my life now? Because often these things are confirmations to what we already know inside us. You know, they're just things to help us take that next step. And so when you do step out, always step out in humility. Share the word humbly and be vulnerable. Say, hey, listen, I feel like God's saying this to you. It might be last night's cheese, but pass it on and see what that person does to it does with it, should I say. And therein ends this word. Why don't we all stand and just invite God's presence